And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And I have to tell you that today's episode sponsor is FullScale. FullScale is a full service software development shop. They can help you bring your tech product to fruition. They can help you build out your software team quickly and affordably. So today, uh, I let out a little squeal of joy when I found out who today's guest was going to be. And the reason is we're going to be talking about one of those really, really sexy topics, the one that is top of everyone's mind. We're going to be talking about blockchain. And in particular, we're going to be talking about a female founder who is well-versed in blockchain, which is super exciting to me. Um, I think you all know by now that I get a little thrill when I see women breaking glass ceilings and taking over industries that have been historically pretty male-dominated. It, it psychs me up. It gets me going. It is one of the reasons that I exist. And so I am so, so pleased and proud and excited to introduce to you Cynthia Huang, and she is growth lead for D-Travel. Cynthia, welcome to the Startup Hustle podcast. Hey, Lauren. Wow, what an intro. Um, I feel like you need to intro me every time I show up somewhere. You know, <laughs> I am available for, for contract gigs. I can walk around and make you sound really awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Really, really love your show. Oh, thank you so much. I, I love to hear that. And now I am predisposed to like you even more. It was already it was already going to be a thing. So, so Cynthia, let's get right into it because I want our listeners to just fall in love with you as much as I have during our short time together. So I'm just going to ask you, tell us about your journey. Yeah. So um, as you mentioned, I'm the growth lead at D-Travel. We're building a decentralized home sharing platform that facilitates accommodation search, listing, and booking. And then we also are trying to build by being community first. And we have what's called a DAO, which is a decentralized autonomous organization. I think you can think of it kind of like a co-op is probably um, something that most people will understand. And then everybody who owns the TRVL token, which is our native token, will basically get a vote and a say in how things are run at D-Travel. So that was a mouthful. Wow. That was, there was, there was like, I, I was like scribbling furiously. I'm like, okay, wait. So I think we're going to need, let, let's back it up a little bit if it's cool with you. Yeah, yeah. Can you, us, can you give us a little bit of context around um, around the industry. So, so you talked about, you're actually talking about two different things. You're talking about home sharing, which when I think of home sharing, I think of things like Airbnb, like, is that a, a good parallel to draw? Yeah. I mean, they're, you know, obviously one of the players in the home sharing space for sure. 
Okay. And and so then, but then you're also talking about cryptocurrency. You're talking about things like the, the, the Dow, which I'm going to be perfectly honest, I had never heard of. So give us a little bit of context. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to drill down on that, that blockchain piece a little bit. Can you talk about the technology behind that and how it is incorporated into D-Travel? Yeah, definitely. So my background is I've actually been a host for over seven years. And I when I first started, it, it was a pretty weird concept. Like I live in Vancouver, and I had rented a room in my house. And my friends thought I was really, really weird. But I really, really love the concept of it and love the idea of meeting new people. I'm a huge traveler myself. So it just made sense to me. And so wait, 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 I, really quickly, you're a huge yeah. traveler. We're going to go down a teeny tiny little tangent, but I heard a rumor about an RV. Yeah, yeah. My husband and I live full time in an RV. We've done it since 2017. So oh uh, kind of before it was cool. And we started with this like tiny truck camper that was uh, 16 feet in length. Um, which is very small for two people who live in it full time and work, yeah, work you in it full time. Yeah, you just love him a lot. Like that, that requires a lot of love. Well, I think like, I, uh, yeah, it's definitely like uh, the eighth wonder of the world that we've managed to stay together despite all the very tight spaces that we've lived in so far. Oh my God. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. So, so we went down a little tangent because I was, I, I remember reading that in, in the set list. And I was like, well, that's fascinating. That's something I'm going to be following up on. Uh, but uh, continue, forgive me. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I've been a host for a really long time. And then um, I ended up co-founding a host forum to help people learn about what hosting actually meant because it was so new to me. I had no idea. There were a lot of anxieties I had around letting a stranger into my home. And so I just built this community because I wanted to find other people who were going through the same thing. And so Air Hosts Forum has been kind of has grown quite a bit and it's become one of the places that a lot of new hosts will go to to find resources. But um, I then went into the blockchain and crypto industry in 2017 had a startup that was helping people learn about cryptocurrency and trading and then um, this this idea for dtravel came about and I was one of the early contributors and it just felt like it was this intersection of two things that I cared very very deeply about and the timing just felt right because the technology is where it is today there's a lot of funding and a lot of attention coming in and um, how we're different, and I think this is where the timing piece is actually quite critical, is yeah. that DAOs are uh, growing in popularity right now. Basically, the ethos behind a DAO is that people who contribute in the community should be the ones who benefit from it and should also be the ones who get to participate in how the product service platform evolves and so that's essentially what we're trying to do with dtravel is to say we're going to be community owned and community led from day one through the DAO, and that just really gives the power and the benefits back into all of the people who have been building these home sharing platforms over the years that is that is absolutely incredible and it, so it sounds like what you're trying to accomplish, and, and and from what I understand, like this is a pretty unique and, and disruptive thing that you're doing, but you're creating equitable access to to uh, you know structure infrastructure to a voice, like allowing people the agency to determine how to build platforms and build systems. Is that an accurate way to look at it? Yeah, exactly. I love that. Like our our mission is to basically empower anyone in the world to become 
um, a host and to own their home sharing experience. So I love this idea of equitable access because that is very much what blockchain and cryptocurrency promises, right? Is to yeah. um, to decentralize and to give everybody permissionless access. Okay, that that is amazing. And, and, and you, there seems to be a theme with you. Cynthia, are you, are you ready to hear about it? Yeah, your tell theme? me, tell me, give it to me. I need to tell you about your theme. Like if I, so if I were to pick a phrase or cut a handful of words to describe you, it seems like you're an early adopter. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say I definitely am, um, not purposely, but I think I just, so I've always actually thought of this as a bad thing because I'm what I think of as a polymath. And so I will get bored of things really easily and I'll always want to learn new things. And I always thought that was a terrible thing until the last couple of years. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think that might actually be a strength. I'm not sure. Cause I think oh people, you know, think I, I might just like move on and not so, have a commitment, but yeah. All right. You just like excited me so much. And here's why. So I have a fast, a free, it's a freaking fascination. Like it goes beyond fascination. I have a fascination with polymaths. I have a book in my head that's called polymath and it's exploring people who become experts in widely divergent subject fields. Like how do you do that? How do you create environments that are conducive to that? And I got to tell you, my friend, not a lot of people know that word. And so you just said that. I was like, oh my gosh, can we be besties? <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Okay. I have another book recommendation. I'm sorry. We're like totally got off on a tangent, but it's called Range. And okay. it's about like with the world, we've traditionally come from this place where people have been specialists. And so they've specialized in a career choice for, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Sure. But the world that we're moving to is actually one where if you're more of a generalist, like, you know, you, you should still yeah, have some I, I depth of knowledge. Intellectual dilettantes. And that, oh, and I love that dilettante. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's what um, I am for sure. Like, I'm not really an expert in anything. I just know a little bit about a lot of things, and 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 I think that that's I think that's a good thing. Like, I've had multiple bosses refer to me as a Swiss Army knife. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah, and that like you know, it's not going to be the best knife ever, but it's certainly going to be serviceable. It's not going to be the best fish scaler ever, but you know, it'll work. It'll do in a pinch. That's yeah, me. and I, I'll do I in think a pinch. <laughs> yeah, I think it's actually a huge skill and um, strength because what yeah. happens, like the way I like to think about it is I'm really big into frameworks and mental models. And I think when you learn about all these different areas, you can take a framework or a mental model from one and apply it to the other area. And so you just have all of these um, skills that you can build upon that gives you a unique lens that other people don't see. Yeah. Well, that that is absolutely I, like I'm buzzing with excitement right now. <laughs> she just used the word, uh, so you'll have to forgive me. All right, so I'm gonna get us back on track because there are like twenty thousand things that I want to talk to you about right now. But I'm gonna go back to the Dow because I find this to be a very very fascinating concept. Um, you know, I, I think that it's no secret that I'm all about community building, ecosystem development as a field. You know, all of these things. So so the Dow. Um, and I, I kind of love that. And I actually love the term digital co-op because I think it creates context around what you're building. What is the feedback model? So if you are a member of this DAO, um, what are the mechanisms that, that you're able to use to provide real-time feedback? 
Yeah, that's a great question. You know, one of the things I will say about DAOs and just like the crypto and blockchain space in general is that it is so new and we're still so early on in this journey. Like, you know, I know a lot of people liken it to the late 1990s for the internet. I think we're in that era. And a lot of these things like DAOs, they are just being created now or like at least um, growing in terms of the number of people adopting it. And so a lot of it is actually hey, let's build the parachute as we're jumping out of the plane. So we're, you know, we're still trying to figure this out. I mean, I think the industry is trying to figure it out. And one of the things I love is that we're so open about sharing all of these things with with each other because we're all just in the same boat and what lifts one of us up lifts up the entire industry. Um, But going back to your question, you know, community tools are really, really core to that feedback loop. So What's interesting about crypto is that there are specific communication channels like Telegram and Discord, Discord in particular, that has become known as like the de facto place where you go to have um, DAO governance, DAO conversations. And it's interesting because the platform actually dictates like the rituals for which you engage as um, a contributor. So it's been really interesting looking at how all these platforms um there's there's rules of engagement once you actually go on and how you interact with people there. Okay. Well, so so I mean, can you talk to us a little bit about that? That I mean, that sounds interesting as hell. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, with Discord, for example, the people who are in Discord communities, you know, that came from more of a traditional gamer space, but has right. become adopted by the crypto community wholeheartedly. And so the way the Discord is set up, there's all these different channels and you can go on and vote for different things. Um, You can interact with different members and it's just become this hub where you go there and if you don't contribute something of value to the conversation, people are very quick to jump on and hold you accountable for that. Sure. And so, yeah, it's just really interesting to think about how these communication platforms have evolved for these purposes. Well, so, so, so I, I'm curious about that though, you know, so if you, if you have a community where you're being held to account, do you also have a community that is rife to with, with cancellation? Like, is that the goal? Is that, talk to us a little bit about that. Cause that's one of the things that I was kind of worried about. Like what happens if you make a misstep or you like automatically, uh, you know, gone forever or how does, how does that work? I think it depends on case by case. Um, you know, obviously, if you're being really hostile and aggressive, then, you know, people will take action, especially the admins of the server of the discord server. But I would say generally, as a rule, like most people in crypto and blockchain are super welcoming. Like if you're a woman in crypto and blockchain, there's so many women in blockchain and crypto groups, and they're just so supportive. They're like, hey, I've got this opportunity to speak here, or I've got this job posting, or hey, I want to help volunteer my time for this specific cause, because I'm really passionate about it. And then in the NFT space, um, also another wormhole that we can go down. But in yeah. the NFT space, I know that's been really welcoming to a lot of artists and new people who go into the space and just want to learn. So I think as a whole, and probably because we are so early, people generally are just very, very welcoming. Okay. Because, yeah, you definitely don't want to scare people off. And I guess one of the things, the reason that I ask that is because one of the things that 
we talk about often in, in community building and ecosystem development is the fact that when you are setting and establishing a culture, you have to do it early and you have to do it often. Mm-hmm. If you don't do it early, then you're then it is a surface culture. It is not a deeply embedded culture. If you don't do it often, somebody else will set your culture for you. <laughs> oh, I agree. So mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm just really, really curious about because you, you actually have two mechanisms by which you are create helping to create an early culture. It goes back to that early adopter piece that we talked about. So so tell us a little bit about your experience, you know, as is founder of the Airhost Forum and then, uh, you know, the work that you're doing with D-Travel now, you know, what has it been like being a piece of a machine that is building a productive culture? Mm, yeah, I love that. Um, you know, there's a quote that Steve Jobs says, or, well, he, he talked about this in his commencement speech, and I always go back to it, and I love it so much, which is when you're doing things throughout your life, at the time, they don't seem to make sense. But then when you look back, somehow all the dots connect together. And I, I feel like that very much applies to a lot of things I've done. Like, I started the forum just because it was something I was passionate about. I didn't work in tech, but I would attend hackathons and read up on all the news. And I think that for me, at the core of everything that I've done, it's about being really passionate about whatever it is that I'm working on at the time. So I feel very much like with Airhost Forum, with my previous startup, Altcoin Fantasy, and then now with D-Travel. These are all things I'm really, really passionate about. It's about community building. It's about helping people. So those are sort of the central themes I always think about. And um, I think part of being an early innovator is that I want to make an impact in the world. And there are trends that, for whatever reason, I don't think I'm like prescient about it, but for whatever reason, I've been lucky enough to get on pretty early. And I think that's because I see the potential for that to change the world somehow and help to, and to help people. Okay. Well, and, and I love that. And, and again, like you, you have this very clear thread of early adoption and disruption, really. Um, and then you have this very clear thread of community. And so clearly, you have to have a big heart to be a community builder of any kind, whether it be digital or analog. And so, you know, much respect. My, I, I'm tipping my hat to you, even though you can't see it right now. I just, I totally did it. I even designed <laughs> it and I was ridiculous. I was like, that's ridiculous. Nobody can see you. But um, so, so talk to us. You, you mentioned something that I found interesting. You are in, I think what many would consider a, a, a highly technical space. Um, I think that, you know, to the average layperson, when you hear about cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, blockchain, like all of that stuff, uh, NFTs, there, there's a level of remote inaccessibility about it for someone who is not tech savvy. Um, and, and yet you don't have a tech background. I don't. Yeah. So, so talk, yeah, talk to us a little bit about that. Um, and, 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 and this is yet another commonality. You were an English lit major and I'm like, oh, me too. <laughs> oh, yes. yes to the English. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned this. So I did a talk earlier this year about how uh, my talk was titled, you know, why you should study a, a humanities degree instead of STEM. And it was you know, very a uh, controversial on purpose and the point isn't to pit one against the other but I think having come from a, hum- a humanities background obviously I'm biased in this but I think that when you have different experiences than what other people do especially in a field like cryptocurrency and blockchain which is technical but really at the end of the day you're building for other people I think having those 
um, experiences and that different knowledge becomes really, really important. And, you know, I think what's interesting about blockchain and crypto is that it is actually very welcoming because we are so early, it's still so small, and we need so many people to come in and build that whether you have a technical background or not, I would say most people are really, really welcoming and they're willing to invest in you. They're willing to help you as long as you have that desire. And I think the the gap here probably is that, like you said, maybe it's intimidating, but it really shouldn't be because just like any other field, there's a need for um, human resources. There's a need for marketing. There's a need for product. Like there's so many different areas that we need really smart people in and the industry is here to like help you learn that and to help onboard you. And it doesn't have to be that you go in and you're just left to your own devices to figure it out. Yeah. Well, I, I love that. And of course, you know, one of the things that we love to hear about around the Startup Hustle Halls is ways that industries, particularly new industries, and there are a couple of that, that we've touched on on a really regular, like we've talked about cannabis, and that's kind of in its in its very nascent stages. It's a little bit of Wild West. I know that there's a lot of conversation around blockchain and, and the financial piece that goes along with that cryptocurrency, talking about things like regulation. Like, how do you regulate an industry that wasn't an industry before, you know, a few years ago? Um, and, and, and so, like, these are all really, really awesome conversations to be in on the ground floor of and to inform. And I love the fact that you are a woman. Um, you are you are offering your unique perspective in a space where it is very, very sorely needed. Now, one of the things that I want to ask you is, is related to, to teams. Like clearly you have had people around you to support you in this. You keep on talking about how supportive the industry is. How impactful has that been for you as part of your journey? Um, I would say huge. I mean, just uh, we've had so many great mentors and people who have made intros, um, just been willing to hop on a conversation and give advice. Like, I think that people investing in other people in the industry is just so, so massive. And whether it's because they've had that given to them and they want to pass it on, or maybe just that that's the culture that we're trying to build to be inclusive and to be um, to like democratize access, whatever that means and in what area. But I, I think that that really is just so massive. And I always say that in 20 years, we'll look back and some of the massive CEOs in the future will think, oh, wow, like, you know, I, I had coffee with them or I know that person. It'll be as if somebody met Steve Jobs in the 90s and then, you know, um, yeah. later on was like, oh, wow, I had coffee with him. Um, I, I think that that's where the industry is going. And even in the last three years, from when I first entered to some of the companies now that have done just amazingly well, I'm like, oh, wow, I know that person. Like I've met them before. I've talked to them. And it's just really, really awesome to see all that growth in the industry and to have um, had that relationship with these people. But um, yeah, I would say definitely like the investment piece from other people has yeah. been huge. And that's why, again, like, you know, I'm so passionate about people coming into the space because I think that if you do want to build up your career, your knowledge, you want to get in on this, like, what I think is the next wave of the internet, then there's really no reason for you not to. Yeah. 
No, I, I, I love that. Cause ultimately like e- even in the tech industry, like ultimately what it comes down to is relationship building, surrounding yourself with people who can help pl- catapult you where you need to go. And I, I, I do have to tell you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Full Scale. They are a team of experts, a team of people that you are, are just ready to surround you, to uplift you, to help you get your products to market, help you build the things that you need to need to that you need to to thrive and grow and succeed. Um, and they're going to do it for you quickly and affordably. And we are just extremely grateful to Full Scale. We know that they do a rock star job for their clients. Definitely recommend that you check them out at fullscale.io. We are here today. I'm Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. We are with Cynthia Huang, who is the growth lead for D Travel, and we're talking. We're talking about a lot of things. Uh, we're talking about blockchain. We're talking about uh, you know. We're touching on like home sharing here and there, um, but really, we're talking about equitable community building. And Cynthia, you used the phrase democratizing access, which is I don't know if you know this, but this is one of my favorite phrases in the world. I throw it around a lot. People probably get sick of it. I don't care. <laughs> sorry, not sorry, because it's an important fucking term. Uh, but we're, we're going we're gonna to keep talking about that. And, and so one of the things that I want to ask you is, it, it, actually, I'm going to take a little bit of a left turn here and, and just bear with me, Cynthia, go on this journey with me because I do have a, a, an end point in mind and we're going to see if we get there. Uh, but here it comes. <laughs> what do you wish people, like we've talked about the fact that the, the industry is more accessible uh, than people think. It is more understandable and relatable than people think. What are some other things you wish people knew? Uh, I think it's not as scary as people think. Like, I think it feels very technical, um, but there are ways to approach it that aren't as scary. Like, there's so much education now and tooling out there to help people understand. And there's also so many different niches, right? Like, I think going back to this idea of democratizing access, I think that's why the NFT space has really attracted so many artists, because it gives them an opportunity and another outlet to both express their creativity as well as really make a living. Um, and well, Monetize it, for sure. Exactly, yeah. Because I think... Um, I mean, I'm not an artist, so I, I, I can only share what I've read. But um, traditionally, like access to selling your art has been through gatekeepers. And with NFTs, right. you have a chance to like connect directly with a community who really resonates with your art or whatever your vision for your artistic um, skills are. And I think that's just really, really powerful. Um, yeah. And so going back to this idea of it being really approachable like no one is going to like like when I try to explain blockchain and crypto to people all the time and they're like oh I don't get it no one in crypto is going to turn away and say well you know you're not worth talking to like I think people are just generally very understanding of the fact that it is a technical space and um, I think that you almost have to translate it like I think it's really important to not use technical language when talking to people. Like you should explain it in terms that they can understand and ways that they can relate because, you know, how a blockchain ledger works 
um, maybe really isn't that important to an NFT artist, right? Like you have to understand what is important to the person that you're talking to so that you can get them interested based on what whatever the value proposition is for them. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think that that is something that you just said there is so, so key. You know, a, a message is only impactful if it is impressed upon the hearer, like the person who is there to receive the message. If it doesn't matter how smart you sound, if your audience doesn't understand what you're on about, then your message is failed. It's you know Mm -hmm. you you have you have accomplished absolutely nothing, Um, and so so finding accessible ways to share what is seemingly you know, again, very, very technical. Like it, there are all of the, it's, it's all of this new terminology, all of these new concepts that are kind of floating around. I love the fact that you're so committed to making sure that, that the average person on the street understands the, the opportunity, you know, and you, you mentioned artists and, uh, so just as a, one of the things that we talk about with, as far as artists are concerned, like people think of artists as purely artistic beings, but the fact is they're entrepreneurs. Like if you are mm-hmm. out there selling your stuff and, and it's really hard to sell your stuff as an artist, um, you're a hard hustling entrepreneur and you have that entrepreneurial spirit in you. So finding any kind of mechanism or opportunity to be a better entrepreneur and to find more opportunity can only serve the common good. And and that applies to so many different industries and so many different verticals. So, so just very, very cool. Um, I think is the point, the long-winded point I'm making is that's super cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, obviously with um, the startup hustle, it's about really encouraging entrepreneurs and having been an entrepreneur for uh, many years, I think that what you said is really key. Like just, there are so many ways to approach entrepreneurship and really it's better for society as a whole. So why not encourage that as much as possible? Absolutely. And I mean, you said it earlier and it's something that I hear time and time again as a sentiment, a rising tide lifts all boats, you know, Mm -hmm. the success that you experience has a ripple effect. Um, and, And the same can be said of anyone experiencing success in your circle. So, so I love that. Um, so I'm going to get tactical with you and I, I kind of got tactical with you, but this is the direction that I was really moving in. One of the things, um, for folks who listen to my episodes, one of the things they know I like to do is I like to offer, uh, a period of time where we talk about very tactical advice. Um, what are the things that you can do tomorrow to, or today, you know, to get, involved in in blockchain and crypto support this community you know get involved in a dao for our listeners at home what advice would you give them if they are listening to you speak now and they're getting really excited but they want to get involved oh man there are so many ways um (laughs) (laughs) so one is um you know, there's obviously a lot of material out there. So starting to understand just the space as a whole. I'm also always a big fan of reaching out to people just to say, hey, you know, I'm like interested in the space. I'm interested in, say, uh, product development within crypto. Um, and this person is working at a, at a project that I really identify with. People are generally pretty open. So I would say even if you just want to have a quick conversation with them to learn more about the industry, about their job, what their career path has looked like, then that is a really, really good resource that I think not a lot of people actually use. Um, and then there are so many Discord channel or Discord servers out there. So whether it's NFTs, um, DeFi, which is decentralized finance, DAOs, like 
even just lurking in a Discord server will teach you so much about, you know, the rules of engagement, what kind of topics people are talking about, what kind of concerns there are, um, how people engage with each other. Like, I think just being an observer even will teach you so, so much. And then um, if you want to take the next step, there are so many jobs out there in crypto and blockchain because, um, you know, there's just been this explosion in people interested in the space. We have people like Jack Dorsey leaving Twitter to pursue something in crypto. I, I think it's just a really exciting time and we need more and more people to build. So um, I think there's definitely ways that you can start to get your feet wet. Like what's really interesting about the crypto space is so many people will get interested just because um, they're really passionate about it. And then they'll do something like participate as a community moderator or volunteer yeah. their time to do you know one small task and it's a really good way to get their foot in the door and also to test it out to see if they like it very cool so 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 that's getting your foot in the door um, what are some ways that people can approach this knowledge grab this this kind of slow burn to to getting involved in I keep using the term equitable and I hate that I keep on using the term equitable, but I'm going to do it again. Here it goes. But it like in equitable ways, making sure that, you know, everyone who wants a table has a seat at the table, being supportive of each other. What are some ways that you have seen this community reach out and do that? So a lot of the groups that I'm a part of are, you know, women and blockchain and crypto. And I think for any women out there who are interested but are intimidated, those are really, really good places to start. Like I've seen so many women say, hey, I'm new to the space, don't really understand it. Can somebody, you know, explain to me why XYZ is important? So that is definitely a really, really approachable way. Um, and then again, like I think just reaching out to people in the industry is really powerful because they've been there and i think that they're going to be open to one wanting more people to come in but then also trying to help people because they've probably been there themselves right well so so here's an opportunity for you shout them out who are some folks who have kind of helped you on your journey and and who you mentioned mentorship earlier who are some folks or some organizations that people can get involved with that or, or reach out to that might help them on the journey oh gosh um and it, 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 let's go ahead and start with the caveat that I just totally asked her this on the spot. And so if she forgets <laughs> anybody, it does not mean anything like anything bad. Um, you know, it's there's a lot of pressure when I ask this question on the spot. So patience, friends, patience. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, man, there's so many people like I, I think I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, not just in what I'm doing right now, like obviously um, my team, they're amazing. Um, previous investors who have invested in my last startup, uh, people who have mentored me all throughout me joining crypto, um, my husband. But I think that at every part of my career journey, there have been people throughout that, you know, whether they knew it or not, they gave me something in the form of mentorship. And I'm just like really grateful for that. And there's so many spots along the way that to me felt really pivotal that um, now when I look back, I realized how important they were in my journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that hindsight is twenty twenty thing. I mean, I, I think that 
any woman or marginalized founder in particular, um, we really kind of have to lean on each other um, to get that support, to get that credibility, to get that championship that we need in order to succeed and thrive. And so the fact that you've been able to do that in a in an industry that I think think like at least outwardly facing I mean you're actually like breaking the stereotype for me right now because you've just been so positive and so um enthusiastic about the inclusiveness but I think in my head I always thought of like the I thought of the crypto bro dudes you know nothing wrong with crypto bro dudes some crypto bro dudes are some of my best friends but that being said I didn't necessarily think it was a space for me um, and, and so it's really, really interesting to hear your take on it. And I'm just really excited to hear that I was wrong. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big enough person to say I was wrong and I look forward to exploring that more. So thank you for opening that door for me, by the by. Yeah. I mean, I will say, you know, that's obviously my experience and going back to this idea of like being a woman and blockchain and crypto and just as an entrepreneur in general, like one of the things that I've learned is you have to go and you have to take it, right? Like, yeah, don't ask for permission. Um, if you show up and you're like, I'm going to do this, then that's a huge first step. And I think as women, we just are always seeking permission. Right. Whereas men will just go in and they'll be like, oh, I'm here. You know? Like, yeah, we need to do that as women. This space, this was, this is for me. And, and, and I do actually, so one of the things that we talk about a lot around the IHKC leadership table is that so much of women's programming and women's professional development is related to empowerment. Um, you know, and, 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 and so often like with IHKC programming, I want to put the focus on tactics. Like, I don't need you to tell me I can do something. I need you to tell me how to do something. But that being said, hearing the message, you can do this. You got this girl, like all of that stuff. It's, it's very powerful for a lot of female founders, because I think in our experience, we were conditioned to question that, like, am I qualified? It, it's that imposter syndrome piece. And so um, I love that you are that, that empowered. Good on you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely been a learning journey, right? Like I think Tim Ferriss has this quote, which I really love about um, a lot of people are kind of competing for that average outcome and the competition is actually fiercest at that level versus when you really push and reach for the stars because there's so few people trying to do that you actually have less competition and it sounds crazy but you know so many times when I've been afraid to do something or just were really unsure. I just went and did it anyway. Like I leaned into the fear and the uncertainty and I've never regretted it. And it sounds really scary. And I think it's probably something you have to do before you, you come to that realization, but yeah, it's, it's never been something that I've regretted. Oh my gosh. I love that. And you just said something and we don't have enough time to go down this rabbit hole, but uh, just go and do it. Like being uncomfortable. I love, I love being uncomfortable because yeah, exactly. being, it's a sign. If you are uncomfortable, you are learning and you are growing and you are pushing yourself. If you are comfortable, you are probably stagnating. And, and so that, like, I love that you just said that. And I, I think it's a perfect, perfect note to, to end on, like get uncomfortable people. Tell, tell him, Cynthia. 
yeah no it's so true like when I when I feel uncomfortable I'm like yes this is like my moment like I gotta do this so um you know maybe don't jump out of a plane with no parachute like uncomfortable but if you're in a situation that's new and you're like oh I don't know these people or like this is I'm giving a talk and I, I don't know how I feel about it like just lean into that right because Right. It's so true what they say that you'll never regret the things that you do. You'll regret the things that you don't do. Yeah. I I love that so much. And and I cannot tell you ah, what a cool sentiment to end on. Although we're not really ending on it because I'm about to ask you the human question. Are you ready? I am so ready. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is a, it's a, it's a dumb question that has nothing to do with anything, but it's what I feel like asking right now. And it's the, it's the, it's the time of the episode where I always get to like subject my whim. I'm like, ha you have to answer my stupid ass question. Uh, so, so here it is. What are your favorite snack foods? Oh my gosh. Uh, you totally called me out. I am terrible. Um, no, because I don't really snack and I don't like junk food really. So I oh love, my gosh, I know so people are going to hate me. I know I hate no. fried food. Oh man. Yeah. So like hummus and carrots, don't say hummus and carrots. You'll kill me. You'll kill Probably my soul. more like fruit. Okay. Okay. Fruit is a great snack food. All right. What kind of fruits do you like? Oh my gosh, everything like mangoes, plums, pineapples. I love all the fruits, but yeah, I know for, I, I don't like junk food. I don't like fried food. And so people are like, what is wrong with you? I don't do it because I want to be healthy. I just don't really it's like not, yeah, unhealthy it, food. That's what your palate, you know what? I think if more people had a palate like yours, we would have a healthier, happier world. That being said, I'm definitely like, like I'm in the popcorn camp. Like that's one of my favorites. Oh. So like I have, I have no understanding of your position, <laughs> but I respect your position. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I got to tell you, Cynthia, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule to, to chat with us. This has been a, a really fun conversation. Um, I've loved getting to know you. I'm sure our listeners have as well. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Yay. Okay. Well, that, that is always the goal. It's party time with Lauren on the Startup Hustle <laughs> podcast. Uh, so, so speaking of party time on the Startup Hustle podcast, uh, one of the greatest parties that we have going around our, our Startup, Startup Hustle halls is the party that we have with Full Scale. They are our episode sponsor. We love them. I cannot celebrate them enough. I have heard so, so many client testimonials from folks who avail themselves of the the full scale team. Um, You know, just the the quality of work that they offer. They can help you get your technical product uh, or, or any product out to market quickly, affordably. They can help you build a team to support you, which as a founder is so key, especially when you're a solo founder. You know, there are just a few of you. So definitely check out fullscale.io. We know them, we love them, um, and we imagine that you will too. A couple other things. You definitely want to find us. Startup Hustle is all over the interwebs. We have a deep digital footprint, and we invite you to find us on Instagram, on LinkedIn. We have a Startup Hustle chat group on Facebook, so definitely check us out. Just search for Startup Hustle and we will pop up, I assure you, and we would love to have you join the conversation. 
also want to recommend that you listen to other Startup Hustle hosts because we have a really amazing lineup of hosts for you. Um, you can definitely t- check out the 52-part series, 52-part series, which I think is crazy, on how to build a tech company. It is hosted by Matt and Matt, our resident startup experts, founders of Startup Hustle, and two all-around great guys. So definitely check that out if you are looking for the building blocks of building a tech company. And friends, I cannot tell you We are so grateful for you. Cannot tell you how much we appreciate the fact that you take the time week after week to download us, listen to us, like, subscribe, and share. Uh, Continue to do that, and we hope to continue bringing you great contact. But thank you for doing all of it and for being there for us while we're there for you. And we will catch you on the flip side. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.